Welcome to the State of the Lakers show on Dash Radio. What's up, everybody? Excited to be back for a post-game show, finally, at long last. It's been a very long time, Raj. What, since game yes, Since game five of the Phoenix series, since that debacle? Yep, yep. Uh, Good to be back. Uh, over Overreaction season, I think, is what it is. Uh, but uh, we got a lot of, I think, actual things we can take from this game. So we can get into it. Yeah, I 100% agree. It felt like a... Uh, um, kind of like a mix of a regular season type of vibe with that little bit of uh, um, with that little bit of preseason flair, if that makes sense. <laughs> right, right. It definitely felt like they chose like bits and parts of the game to give a crap. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like you could totally tell when the gas got off the pedal um, and, during the game. Yeah, I uh, I tweeted out that link of the. Um, I actually really like that that little line graph, just a basic line graph of time and points that ESPN yeah. has because it kind of, it does a good job of capturing the flow of a game. You know what I mean? And, right. um, and you could just literally see that there were these stretches where they were engaged and where they cared. And when they did, the Kings couldn't score even with their starters. Um, but when, when they let go of the rope, it was like, it looked like a black diamond. If you're a ski, if you're a skier, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's just, it's one of those things where, You know, in the preseason, and you and I talked about this a lot over the last couple of weeks, specifically with the preseason, I'm more concerned about process than results. And when you see, I'm actually going to give another shout out to the um, Laker Film Room podcast here. I think it was Mr. Darius Soriano who brought this up yesterday, but he was talking about how, like, when you're trying to test a scheme, when you're trying to test to see if something works, whether it's a lineup or a scheme or an offensive system or a defensive pick and roll coverage or whatever it is, in order to really get a read on whether or not it actually works, the guys have to try. <laughs> so, so sometimes it's, it's hard to even really get a read on what lineups work and what systems work when people are mailing it in. You know what I mean? But I did think that we saw enough bits and pieces in this preseason of stretches where they tried that I do believe in the core of this group. What about you? Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess we can kind of start with like the big three, right? Cause this is our second game is our second game with the full big three playing or is it third? I'm losing track. I think second, um, but the start second. Yeah. And then Deandre Jordan obviously started with them. So I'm kind of beating you on this. Deandre Jordan is going to start thing. Uh, it feels like that's going to, I'm going to be correct on that, but I thought the starters at least looked fine. Um, we could start with Russ. This was the best I've seen Russ look, and I like him better as this aggressiveness as a scorer, right? Even if it leads to some bad shots, even some like layups that he missed, just him attacking the basket as a scorer, I think is what that starting lineup needs. Even with DJ clogging the paint, he could still get to the basket. Like he was bullying Darren Fox, bullying some of the other defenders to the rim. And I thought that's what they need. AD missed everything. I still thought he settled a lot. But what'd you see from that starting unit? Because I thought they were fine defensively as well. You saw what Vogel sees, right? I know DeAndre Jordan gets a lot of flack. And I've said before, I don't want DeAndre Jordan playing any minutes um, that are not next to AD and frankly, not next to LeBron either. I just don't think he can cover up when he's not next to those two guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he's next to them, you could see his size actually be a problem. De'Aaron Fox had to second-guess himself getting to the rack, right? Tyler's ha- Tyrese Halliburton, when he got to the room, he was second-guessing himself. Like, that size, I think, matters. And I thought the starting lineup was fine. I just thought our second units were god-awful, and I'm worried about that going to the season with all our depth injured, all our under-30 guys injured. But what did you see, I guess, from the starters in that first to start the game and then to start the third quarter? 
Yeah, so uh, you're absolutely right. We're going to talk. You and I have harped on this all preseason, and we're going to continue to talk about it throughout the season. There is a, a kind of like a baseline of what works for defensive talent on the floor. Yeah. If you're going to put DeAndre Jordan and Malik Monk and Wayne Ellington all on the floor at the same time, all three of them are going to look bad. Mm-hmm. But as long as the as long as the totality of the group works, these players, when you shrink their responsibilities defensively, they can do their job. Like you said, DeAndre Jordan's size looks like a problem alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Right. But if you put him out there as a five man with Carmelo and Anthony at the four, all of a sudden his size and mobility, when you're asking him to cover more ground and you're asking him to clean up more mistakes, it's going to be a problem. And so it, both those stretches to start the third and to start the first with DeAndre Jordan on the floor, they defended extremely well. I'll have to wait for the NBA advanced stats to mm-hmm. update uh, later tonight. But my guess is when we look at DeAndre Jordan's defensive rating from this game, that it's going to be outstanding because, because that's what happened while he was on the floor with that group of guys. As far as Russ goes, same thing. It was a, you know, it was a great example of what I'm willing to put up with, with Russ mm-hmm. because there were some defensive breakdowns. There were some poor shots. Like there was an early, transition pull up banking jump shot that he actually made yeah. that I was like, why, that I was like, why in the world are we taking this shot? You know? And there was another pull up transition three later on that he missed those kinds of things in small doses we can handle as long as the totality has that Russ impact. He had lots of plays where he drove into the lane and dropped off for dunks to either Anthony Davis or Deandre Jordan. He had at least three that I counted where he, played physical bully ball on the smaller Kings guards and for layups mm-hmm. that all of that. And then he pushed the ball in transition really well. When, when that scale is tipped to where good Russ is outweighing bad Russ, this is going to work. Yeah. It's just, it's just about keeping that scale balanced properly. If that makes sense. Yeah. And I like that he makes LeBron be a finisher, right. In transition a lot. You could see how he's going to help kind of be an innings eater for LeBron in that way where LeBron doesn't have to be the full-time creator. He gets to rebound a lot and he's able to outlet it and push it ahead to LeBron who's trying to cut in transition. And it's crazy seeing LeBron in transition this much as the guy that doesn't have the ball in his hands, right? LeBron's usually when he's in transition, he's pushing and he's making the decision to who he passes to in the corner or who's cutting to the rim. Instead, he's the one kind of cutting to the basket. I thought that was good. Um, Rusty looks like he's a lot more comfortable now as well as a passer. Like he seems like he's kind of finding out where guys like the basketball. He found Bazemore a bunch of times in the corner, found Reeves in the corner. Um, he's still getting his timing right with AD. AD had a bunch of shots at the rim that he missed where I thought Russ found him. So you can see him getting more and more comfortable, and hopefully when we start uh, on Tuesday, um, he'll be he'll be at the best that he's been. But I thought this was a good start for him. Uh, you could see what he does for the team, just pushing it in transition. The pace was insane, actually, from tonight. Um, it was pretty up and down. The Lakers went down by, like, 14 in that first quarter, and then – kind of got back into it um, later on in the game. But I just thought that pace, um, and you see how that how they want to play, right? This really fast-paced basketball for Russ or LeBron you can outlet to when they're gone. So I thought that was a good thing that we saw um, from tonight. Did you listen to uh, uh, Pete describe it, uh, what he found out when he charted the transition possessions for the Lakers in their last game? Oh, oh yeah, where they were past half court um, after 20 seconds so like, they had for almost every possession. The, the starting group had 46 possessions that they played together. And on 43 of them, they were Mm -hmm. across half court with, uh, with 20 seconds on the shot clock. And Uh you could just see that today on every miss and every make it's just push the ball up the floor. There was even that like chaotic stretch there. in the I think it was in the second quarter where, um, 
uh, where it almost got a little bit out of control. And, and teams are just – no one was scoring. <laughs> it, just, it almost, right, it almost right. looked like rec league ball. But that's the thing. It's like it's kind of like creating chaos through transition pressure, which is going to open things up uh, for them offensively. But the key there is they have to defend. And that's, that's the big mm. thing that I'm going to be watching because, you know, this is something that I have been uh, very separate from many Laker people since the offseason. This idea that the Lakers traded out all of their defensive talent, especially – around LeBron and AD. And I've always disagreed with that premise because I just thought the Lakers had a ton of defensive depth in the past. And I thought they traded some of that defensive depth for offensive versatility. And all I cared about was, would they have lineups where maybe it's a rock fight type of game and they just need to get some sort of uh, uh, lineup out there that's going to tend to that style of play? They absolutely can do that. But if they're playing against a, a team and, and like it's a little bit more up and down and LeBron and AD are, are having trouble creating and finding driving lanes, then they can go with lineups with more shooting. I always looked at it as a versatility thing. And so the, the big thing is going to be like those stretches to start the first, second and third quarters tonight. Can they do that more consistently? And that's why I like the defensive rating metric over the course of the regular season, because all NBA teams struggle with effort night in and night out in the regular season. That's just part of the game. You play 82 games. Of course, you're going to have issues with effort and consistency. So that metric is just a good indicator of the average of your effort. And so that's what we need to monitor this year. If it's dipping you know, below 15, then that, 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 that goes to show you that their effort is not consistent enough. You, know, you can handle stretches where they let go of the rope. They just need to be few and far between if that makes sense. Yeah, and I guess before we get to the bad stuff, because I thought the second unit really struggled and there's some defensive issues, uh, what do you think of LeBron? Because I thought LeBron looked like himself, like he looked ready to go for the season. And you always talk about this on the pod, and we were talking about this on the last one, I think, as well. The most important thing for the season is LeBron and AD are still LeBron and AD, right? That's what covers up a lot of the gaps here. And like you were saying, they can cover up for some of the things that Westbrook does, some of the like bad shots he takes. That can all be covered up if LeBron and AD are still themselves and then you can add what Russ does to that but I thought LeBron looked good in transition um, he was finishing inside his jumper looked good as well he's getting a lot of spot up threes which is which is different for him uh, he got some corner threes as well but what you see for LeBron because I thought LeBron looked like himself he looks ready to go he fell asleep on defense a few times which is expected like he's not going to try to play hard on defense but I thought he looked good he looks he looks comfortable with his team so what do you see from LeBron tonight I've seen everything that I need to see from him in this preseason. Um, You know, there was that, I was pretty much settled down as soon as I saw that stretch on Tuesday night Mm -hmm. where he just was like, I'm going to put my head down and get to the rim, you know? Cause like, I think, you know, one of the things that I think people need to keep an eye out here for, um, I think with Anthony Davis, it more has to do with his jump shot, but I think LeBron's going to have one of the more efficient years of his career. I can't remember off the top of my head, but if you actually went and looked at LeBron's efficiency last season, it was one of the better seasons of his career. And that was coming off of a playoff run where he was every bit as offensively dominant as he had been in his career. And I don't, if part of that is his, you know, his, his brain is just so advanced at this stage in his career. But at the same time, this season, he's going to have more space to operate than he's ever had before in transition where mm-hmm. LeBron's always been deadly. He's going to have more opportunities. And so just by virtue of that sort of thing, I think you could see LeBron, hit some efficiency numbers that he hasn't hit 
you know, since Miami. Now that remains to be seen. Health is a big part of that, you know, not just for him, but for the rest of the roster. Cause like we saw tonight, you know, I was, you know, I was, I was joking. Um, uh, I was laughing on Twitter cause I was reading people talking about how the Lakers added shooting, the Lakers added shooting. And it's like, yeah, they did, but they're all hurt. <laughs> like, right. Like everybody that we added for the purpose of spacing the floor and making things easier for the stars was wearing a suit on the sideline tonight, you know? And so, you know, as, over the course of the season, it's important for the health to stay above a certain threshold so that the talent is there for all those guys to succeed. But LeBron looks great physically and his feel for the game at this phase in his career is better than, you know, ever. So uh, mm-hmm. I, 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 as long as he stays healthy, which is I'm more worried about impact injuries at this point, like Solomon Hill, as long as he stays healthy, I'm not worried about him. I'm more worried about Anthony Davis and Russ, you know, like, if, you, if LeBron of, of all the guys on this roster is the one that people don't need to worry about, because even, even if he does suffer some physical decline, he's just going to find a way to impact the game with his brain. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And and for him, it feels like him playing in transition actually feels like it makes the game easier for him, right? Like he's not doing too much in the half court like he used to. He's able mm-hmm. to play off Russ, play off the ball. Him and Russ can kind of trade off who's who's kind of starting in the corner on actions, running ball screams through AD. And I'd like to see AD kind of get more of the offense, go attacking the rim a little bit more. I still feel like he's settling too much. And again, I don't know if that's just part of what a uh, part of preseason and he's waiting to do that when the real game starts. I just even with DeAndre there, I know that like it's very easy to just blame the spacing, just blame because someone's in the dunker spot. But I still feel like there's ways that he can go at him. Like he had Mo Harkless on him a bunch of times tonight, where I just feel like he can go through him rather than fading away from him so i'd like to see ad kind of get more but then I'm, I'm sure he will um what'd you what'd you kind of see from ad because i feel like his jump shot he's relying on it i understand that like he's trying to get in rhythm through his jump shot but i just feel like he should be attacking the rim to get to get going and this is a question we've had with ad the last few years um but this is probably his worst game of the precinct i guess just in totality and i think his defense is still fine but what'd you see from ad i guess tonight well, I, I think I, I think AD is looking at the bigger picture with his jump shot. Um, this is something, another thing that I'm kind of on an island uh, with most people who follow AD. Most people think AD's bubble shooting performance was a fluke. And right. I, I disagree. I, I, I think that's he, – he shot really well before the bubble for about a month, and he shot really well after the bubble for about a month uh, to start the season. And so the way I always looked at it was – if you looked at his shot selection early with the Lakers, it looked like a guy who had been working on adding an element to his game and he was implementing it into a game setting. And so it was a bit sloppy. He missed a lot of those KD type of jump shots early Mm -hmm. in that 2020 season. Then it started to go, which is what happens. You know, you're connecting a practice result with a game result. There's a transition period there and he got it going and he was, he looked deadly from that distance. And then he started the next season deadly and then he got hurt. And so I, I believe that that kind of wrench got thrown in there and kind of messed with his confidence. This is something I've talked about a lot on the pod too. Just jump shooting is kind of a, it's, it's really hard mentally on people because even the best shooters in the world will usually miss more shots than they take. So it, when you get into a cold spell, it can be really hard to deal with mentally. And I really believe that, AD is looking at that and, and saying, I just need to find my rhythm. I need to find my rhythm. And so I see him taking a lot of these more finesse type of shots just to try to kind of build that again. But as you and I have discussed, in my opinion, it's better to get that rhythm through the confidence you gain by dom- dominating at the rim. Like getting to the basket and getting easy shots 
is a really easy way to make yourself feel like you're playing really well, which is going to translate into more confidence with your jump shot. So I disagree with the method that AD is using to try to get his jumper back, but I do understand what he's doing. Like he's, his thing is like, they got to go in eventually. So I'm just going to keep shooting. You know what I mean? I think, I think that's his, his approach here. Yeah. And we're always like thinking how preseason, we never really look at wins, right? We don't, we don't really care about the end result. You want, you're looking more at the process. And I did think we saw some good process stuff. Like they're really looking for him in transition, right? So like when Russ and LeBron get the ball, he runs down the floor and he's immediately under the basket. There's a lot of times where he thinks he gets fouled or he doesn't finish, but I think that's also good process. Those are ways for AD to pick up um, easy points. And I think we both talked about it. We said that he should probably lead the team in scoring as well, right? If everything if everything works out correctly, he should be the one leading the team in scoring and he's mm-hmm. should be able to get easy baskets in transition. And, you know, the big divide on like Lakers Twitter, if he's going to play center, if he's going to play power forward, look, it just feels like with, like you talked about, they traded their defense for offensive versatility. Mm-hmm. Well, the point of that is to have the offensive versatility. And like you said, those guys are all injured. Malik Monk, uh, Malik Monk, who's the other guy? <laughs> THT's out mm-hmm. as well. Right. So, and Kendrick Nunn is out as well. So like now, Wayne Ellington out as well, even though Wayne Ellington might have lost his spot to Austin Reeves. Kind of discuss that. Kind of discuss that later uh, with his defense. But yeah, all our kind of offense guys are out, so you're playing. Like I talked about, I wanted Carmelo Anthony probably play ten minutes a game. But right now, when AD plays the five, the power forward is Carmelo Anthony, not LeBron James. And we saw kind of the struggle of that. I also don't really like those Rondo Westbrook Carmelo lineups with AD at the five. Those got destroyed. Those got actually destroyed inside. And, and again, I'm really worried about this because when our starting lineup goes off the floor, so you're starting Kent, ba- Kent Bazemore, then like on the ba- on the second unit, it's Rondo and usually it's Westbrook trying to lead it. And look, Westbrook can be a good defender, but you know what he does on defense. He likes to gamble. He likes to, you know, he falls asleep off ball. And that's just stuff you have to live with. He's not going to be on 48 minutes a game being a hard-nosed defender. That's just what you get with Russell Westbrook. And you have like when dudes slip a screen and AD is on the perimeter, you have Tristan Thompson down low being defended by Rondo or you know or Westbrook or any of other small guards. So that's my worry here. What do you think about the second unit? Because that's my biggest worry, I guess, going into the regular season. I think our starting line is fine, whether we start DeAndre or whether AD starts at the five. I think there's enough defense there. I'm really worried about our second units because we got ran off the floor again tonight, and I feel like that's been the theme of preseason. We've just been ran off the floor when our when our second units come in. I do. I, I think that some of these guys that are sitting out with injuries are guys that would be available if the games mattered. So I think, okay. Frank, I think Frank is dealing with a little bit of like, a, I'm just trying to get through these games kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm with you the, for whatever reason. And this has just been the case since he came here. The LeBron lineups do fine. It's when <laughs> okay. he goes to the bench that there are problems. It's the end of the first quarter. It's the middle of the second quarter when LeBron takes that second rest. Like those are the times when the wheels come off and, and you're right. It, it, those are the lineups where I would be, I would be a little bit more willing to play big. That's where I'd like to see a uh, AD with a center and uh, and play some more defensive-minded players because at the end of the day, the offensive IQ just falls off of a cliff at that point. And so I'm a little bit more willing for the game to turn into a rock fight in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as we see, as we've seen so many times over the last couple of years. When you play AD with a vertical threat center, it just overwhelms teams with length uh, to the point where they all get super hesitant to drive to the basket. Even when they get separation from a defender, they start to have second thoughts about that second, that secondary attack. You know, like, what am I supposed to do here? I'm just going to go in there and get blocked. And 
And so I would like to see some of that. I'm with you. Like Rondo, Rondo had a really good preseason with his energy level, pushing the ball in transition. Yeah. Um, but he's been horrific defensively, um, which is what he was in the regular season when he was a Laker. Right. So I, I, I just have to, if, if I'm looking for a silver lining, something to, to make myself feel more comfortable with those lineups, I'm going to trust Frank. The idea there being Frank historically has favored defense when the games start mattering and the guys are, and you know, some of these guys who are nursing these little nagging injuries are available. I really do think Frank is going to prioritize uh, defense in those lineups, um, specifically when LeBron's off the floor, because he has to expect a certain amount of defensive fall or excuse me, offensive fall off and, and uh-huh. try to find a way to win those minutes. You know, Ever since LeBron came here, they've lost the LeBron off minutes every single year, including the first year before AD got there and including the postseasons. And so it'll be really interesting to see. Everyone said Russ was going to come in and fix that. And I'm not so concerned about Russ and what he does offensively in those minutes. It's they've got to, like you said, you can't have Rondo and, and, and Carmelo Anthony in those lineups. They're just asking to get picked apart. You know, they, mm-hmm. they, need, to find, they need to discover where that baseline is of defensive talent and make sure that those lineups have enough of it. Yeah, like you can cover for one bad defender, right? Even two. When you have three bad defenders on the floor, it's really tough. And again, we always talk about we want AD at the five, but like I said, there there are detriments to that defensively because even, even though even though how good he is, he can't cover up. Like when he's switching up top, like that's why we get killed on offensive rebounds. And I think our I think our bench, I know these are preseason stats, but our bench got outscored like 50 to 22 i think tonight or something like that mm-hmm. it just, you just you just can't win that way and that's what i'm worried about and like vogel has to look for defensive lineups but i don't i don't know if he has them right now you know what i mean like you saw the rotation tonight unless we see like chandrick chandy brown or you know some of the two-way guys and again this is why i push frost and reesman is because i think he just looks like a, a glue guy up there i think uh, our guy benet said in uh today in, on twitter he said he has that connective like energy where he kind of like puts everything together like because when you're playing with stars i feel like you just I want you to not make mistakes more than I want you to make plays. If that makes any sense, like the mm-hmm. players on that lineup, like just don't make mistakes. Don't hurt the team on the floor. Even if you're missing shots, if you're taking the right shots, I think that's fine. And again, not to bring up Caruso, but that's where that comps kind of come from when you have guys who are good guys who can play with stars. Um, what else did you see from tonight? I guess or overall in uh, in preseason. Well, let's 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 touch on Reeves and then let's start getting some guests up here. First of all, thank you guys so much for for listening in. You know how this goes. We're gonna talk about the game for, you know, 20, 30 minutes or so. And then we're going to uh, start letting you guys come up and complain and give your two cents and, and then talk some basketball with us. We'll touch on Austin Reeves and then we'll start getting you guys up here. Um, you know, it's easy to comp to Caruso, you know, mm-hmm. middle sized white guy, bro player <laughs> on, right, on, right. on the Lakers, but they're, they, they're actually very different in, in so many different ways. But I liked what you had mentioned about the, um, you know, that connective tissue, I would equate Austin Reeves to more of like a Wesley Matthews type of role in mm-hmm. that you're, you're giving up the offensive ceiling that comes from a player that can create more for, uh, for himself in favor of someone who's going to make very few mistakes and who's going to capitalize on the advantages created by better players. And right. so, you know, specifically, you know, uh, it's kind of like the opposite of the Westbrook effect. You know, I joked earlier about how Westbrook takes some shots sometimes where you're like, I honest to God, don't know what he's thinking. <laughs> There's no advantage. It's, it's a low percentage shot for the best shooters in the world. 
and there's 22 seconds on the shot clock. I just don't understand what he's doing. Well, Austin Reeves has the opposite effect of that. Like if you kick it to him in the corner and someone's closing out, he just won't take it. Like he'll, mm-hmm. unless, unless the shot clock's running down, he won't take it. He'll, you know, uh, pump fake, maybe uh, do a quick rip through, and then he's going to swing it back out and reset. He understands that he's not out there to be a gunner. He understands that his job is to, when the really easy opportunities present themselves, to capitalize on them. And then he also understands that the, his only hope of sticking in this league is to be the guy that consistently tries on the defensive end. And I mean, I joked earlier on Twitter that he's been the most impressive guard on the Lakers this year so far in the preseason. That's that comes with a caveat that he's the only one who's really trying. So he kind of he kind of like wins the award by default. But the truth of the matter is, is like for a guy like Frank, who's trying to fight that that little bit of of, you know, veteran lackadaisical nature that's going to kind of hang over this team. He's going to value that. He's going to value that guy that brings that in. And, you know, last year with Wesley Matthews, never blew the doors off with his shooting, never did. But he was the most consistent effort guy other than Caruso. He was the most consistent effort guy from those wings. And so he became a really safe option for Frank throughout various lineups and groups that he needed on the floor. And that's what Reeves is going to become because you're going to see with some of these other guys like Monk and with Nunn, you're going to see some inconsistency. You're going to see nights where Monk looks like prime J.R. Smith and the dude's hitting seven threes and he looks like, you know, one of the best bench players in the league. And then you're going to see the same thing out of none from time to time as an off the dribble creator. But they're also going to have nights where they're not making anything and they're getting burned on the other end. And for whatever reason, they're just not putting it together. And Reeves is going to be an option for Frank. That is like West was last year, just a little bit lower ceiling, higher floor. And, and I thought, I, I think he, like to, to LeBron's point, he's a real NBA player. I think he's, I think he has, has found a, a niche there that he can fit into. That's going to help him stick in this league. Right. And he played four years of college, so he's a rookie, but he's played a lot of basketball. You can kind of see that in his game. Um, his mm-hmm. His reads are instant, right? Like, you know that you have to, like, read if you can dribble, pass, or attack, right? And, and he knows that mm-hmm. right away. Um, so he makes those reads really well. He has some off-the-dribble kind of creation that's really nice, being like a secondary or third kind of playmaker where Russ or LeBron already break down the defense. And we talk about this a lot with THT, where we like THT as that, like, third or secondary playmaker. And THT is obviously more of a highlight maker, right? He can more get to the rim, score. But Reeves does a nice job. He comes off pick and rolls. He makes passes that are on point. You know, he found AD and DeAndre, I thought, nicely tonight. That's all you need from him. He, he knows that he doesn't have to do too many things too complicated. And I think he still leads the team in three-point attempts uh, for the preseason. He did before this game. I'm not sure about tonight. I think he only hit one tonight. But he knows where his shots come from, and he knows how to get them up. He has a quick release as well. He just knows how to play. Like, it's it's very clear that I feel like he'll be in the rotation eventually, even if it's not on opening night and maybe it will just do the injuries, but just a guy that knows what he's doing on the floor. And like I said, I need you to not hurt me more than help me. If, if that makes sense, just playing next to these, these star guys. So I thought he looks good. He was probably the star of preseason with, with how much our guys kind of sat out and didn't really try for much of these games. He feels like the, the positive story of coming out of preseason. So yeah, it looks like he'll be in the rotation uh, going forward. And you, you absolutely, and I'm, I'm going to follow up on this. If Raj, if you want to go ahead and get our, our first guest up here, you can. 
Um, also, I, I believe Maples was planning on joining us as well. Um, you know, at the at the end of the day, when you're a team that's cap strapped because you have three guys that are making forty million dollars a year, you need to hit on some of these. Mm-hmm. And this is where the Lakers scouting department has been such a huge value add uh, uh, in uh, for this particular franchise because you know when you're ca- you, you've got you're this star driven franchise that needs to rely on these huge contracts, you're always going to have to work on the margins and you're going to have to nail some of these. And, you know, what's interesting about the Austin Reeves thing, if you actually look at his college stats, he was Mm. a really good three-point shooter at Wichita State uh, in the mid mid 40s on like, I think, three attempts per game. And (laughs) I think he was like 28% in his last two seasons at Oklahoma after he transferred. And that's probably a big part of why he slipped. And mm-hmm. credit to credit to the Lakers scouting for digging into the film. And they, I, I, for the record, I have not looked at this film, so I'm not, uh, you know, speaking, uh, um, you know, with certainty here. But I'd be willing to bet that at Wichita State, he was in a role similar to what he's doing right now, and he looked fantastic as an off-ball threat. And I'm guessing that he, at Oklahoma, was forced to take a completely different shot profile on. And it probably threw him out, uh, threw him out of his confidence a little bit with his jump shot. And, you know, his loss, so to speak, ended up being his and the Lakers gain because he slipped to, to the extent that he was able to, uh, to fall to the Lakers. And, you know, now he looks at, it looks like out there, like the kind of player that, you know, every team is looking for. That's a contender, a guy that they can go out and trust to not make mistakes and to knock down open shots and not turn the ball over and, and make simple, basic reads off of the attention that the stars grab. Yep, exactly. And last thing on the Lakers scouting department, they've definitely been hitting it out of the park for the last few years. Um, sad part, and I bet they feel this way. They put all this you know, film work into drafting a guy, and then you develop him, and then you watch him go flourish elsewhere, right? And that's part of being the Lakers, I guess. You get Anthony Davis in return, but you also watch these guys kind of flourish. You see Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso are the kind of big names. You see Brandon Ingram as well. Um, I know those are high lottery picks, but still, um, those are really great players that they've drafted. And then David Nawab as well, another undrafted guy. But yeah, it looks like they've done it again. We'll have to see if Austin can do this in the regular season. Preseason is what it is. We saw THT have a huge preseason last year. And he had a good year last year, but not, not up to the hype that it was in preseason. So we'll see. But I'll get my first guest up here. Appreciate everyone who's listening here. Uh, appreciate everyone listening on Dash Radio. Um, let's, uh, let me see. I think uh, Toddy was the first one. And I see Maples in here as well. So, Maples, if you want to uh, hit a request, I'll get you up here too. Forgot how spaces works. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, we're, ru- we're rusty. We're rusty. <laughs> rusty. This is preseason. <laughs> <laughs> Says it's connecting. Let me see. Yeah, get your request in uh, if you want to come up and just share anything, uh, share about preseason, your overreactions. Or on, mm-hmm. while we're waiting, Raj, what's your? Are you still thinking that the Lakers are going to lose to Golden State on Tuesday? I'm gonna stay with that prediction, and I'm not sure anything I've seen in preseason should kind of change that. And again, I had them losing that game, but I still had them going like 15 and three or something to start the season. But uh, yeah, I, I, Golden State just looks ready, more ready to me to go. They just look like they have a little bit more continuity as well, and they look like they're playing a system that fits Kerr's style, um, especially with Wiseman hurt as well, which is unfortunate, but it just feels like they know what they're doing. Uh, it looks like he Yeah, it, it, looks, it looks to me like a team that has much better habits right now. 
And mm-hmm. in addition to that, they're kind of like specifically built in a way right now that will mm-hmm. cause some problems for the Lakers as a matchup um, because of their their guards and what they're capable of. And oh, so I, I think there's a the, the Lakers could very easily win because they're at home and because they're huge and they could just physically Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard could have you know, seven offensive rebounds and LeBron could have, you know, eight made field goals in the paint and it could be, it could be a a Laker win, but I'm, I'm leaning that direction as well. I think, I think the Lakers are going to lose on opening night uh, just because they've got a bunch of bad habits that they need to work out. And then I think they'll hit a little winning streak there. I think they really want to beat Phoenix. Uh, But I was just curious to get your two cents. We got somebody up. I think we do. Uh, What's going on, man? Yo, can you hear me? We can hear you. Yes, we can. What's up, man? Oh, okay. Uh, I had a question. So, uh, you know how we uh, we all, like, are debating AD at the five, or mm-hmm. is DeAndre going to start, all that? Um, under the scenario that AD starts at the four, which I think is most realistic in my opinion, do you think they still trot out Bazemore, even though he's not the best shooter? Um, or do they go with, like, a Monk or Ellington for that? You want to go ahead first, Rush? Yeah, um, I I think Bazemore still starts. I think he's the best like defender out of that. Like he's our best point of attack defender. Uh, when we were playing Phoenix, he was our best guy on Chris Paul. Like he was able to chase around screens. I think we talk about this a lot on the pod. But our guards have the tendency to die on screens a lot, and it leads to our bigs defending the guard a lot on drop coverages one on one, or our guard is giving no back pressure. And I think Bazemore's the best at that. His shooting is up and down. I think he is a good shooter. He takes some shots where, like, I'm not sure. Like, those transition corner threes where he's running full speed, I'm not sure those are great shots. But I think he's the shooter that we have to play right now. That We don't really have many options. Don't really have that many wings. After Bazemore, it goes to, like, Carmelo. And then from Carmelo, you, you go down to, like, our two-way guy. So I still think Bazemore would start. What about you, Jason? Yeah, I agree. And the, the tra- it's interesting that you brought the transition threes up because it feels like on some of them he has more time to get set. And, 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 you know, get more balanced mm-hmm. and take the shot. But he's, it feels like he's kind of rushing it. Uh, Raj is 100% right. The Lakers run a drop coverage and they have three bigs that are vertical threats that defend in the drop coverage. And so the guards that are willing to fight over the top of the screen and, and apply back pressure are the ones that are going to play uh, the most. So I think I think Bazemore is going to play a ton. Kendrick Nunn is going to play a ton. Uh, you know, Reeves is another guy who's done a good job of fighting over the top of screens mm-hmm. so far this preseason. The, uh, they're going to... I, I would imagine that um, they're not going to have more than one of that Malik Monk Ellington type of guard on the floor at the same time, the type of guard that's going to die on screens because then their, their entire defensive scheme falls apart. Um, Raj and I talked about this a lot after the first preseason game because they kept having to switch pick and rolls against Brooklyn because the guard just kept dying on the screen. And so that, that that's the thing. Like if Frank has a scheme and his scheme doesn't work unless the guys do their job, in baseball right now, regardless of missing, you know, open jump shots is doing his job in the defensive scheme better than some of the other options. So I think he's going to have to play. And the last thing I'll say is to the 80 at the five thing, Raj is going to end up winning by default because of injuries <laughs> here because of injuries. But I still think when the Lakers are at full strength, that AD is going to end up starting at the five more often than not, but we'll see. I could be wrong. You got your, textbook DeAndre Jordan in the JaVale McGee role tonight where he played start the first quarter, start the third quarter. And that was it. So, I mean, that looks very 2020 esque to me. 
Yeah, I looked at that box score. That that looked really fake at first. It was like 12 and 11 for DeAndre, and everyone was killing him. I was like, damn, bro. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> he did. He yeah. did good. He did good with the starters. Well, we talked about that earlier in the show. When, when, yeah, uh, yeah, when yeah. he's on the floor with LeBron and AD, there's just so much size around him that his size becomes imposing. It's just when you play him with Carmelo Anthony or uh, a bunch of guards, where he's going to look limited because you're. He's just not at a phase in his career where he can be a backline defender with that type of talent. Yeah. Do you see any requests on your end, Jason? I don't see anyone else uh, requesting. But uh, just to speak on the DeAndre point, like Jason have I become the face of DeAndre Jordan propaganda, which has been really strange. Uh, but like again, like five minutes a game to start, I, I think he's fine in that role. Any more than that, I think it gets troubling. Like him on the bench, there was that first game I think against Brooklyn. He played next to Carmelo, and like Carmelo and DJ as the four five, you're just gonna get you're gonna get murdered defensively. And expecting him to be this like switch out while again going back covering the rim, it, it's just not realistic to me. I always thought. He could play the JaVale role in a sense. And JaVale might be the better, probably the better player and got paid just got paid as such. So uh, that's all I see with DeAndre. I think he's been fine with the stars, as you said. When you have LeBron and AD out there covering for him uh, with Bazemore as well as our guard defender, I think he'll be fine. Thanks for coming on, man. We appreciate you. Um, we're going to get our next speaker up here. Oh, hello. Can you hear me? I can hear you. What's up, bro? Hey, what's up, man? What's up? What's up? How are you guys doing? Good. Doing well. Good, good. Yeah, so, um, you know, uh, I've been watching uh, the Lakers play in preseason, and uh, we're 0-6, which doesn't bother me too much. But, like, um, a few things, a few things kind of bother me, like, a few things. Like, I like um, what they were talking about earlier in terms of uh, shot quality. I feel like, um, like, I feel like LeBron's going to get, like, a lot of great shots this year considering uh, – Considering Russ and AD, I just feel like he's going to get a lot of, and we saw like uh, two, we saw that transition bucket when Russ was like, um, he was in, he was in a, I guess he was in a, tra- he was in transition and he was attacking the fast break and, uh, and uh, he passed it to LeBron, LeBron just dunked the ball. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, um, honestly, I don't want to see too many more possessions of Melo at 36 years old trying to, you know, trying to beat someone off the dribble and uh, pulling up for a mid-range shot. Like, we've seen a lot of... I already seen too many... Air, one too many air balls from him. So, um, and yeah, honestly, um, honestly, I really don't like the DeAndre Jordan and 80 lineups. F, F, like, with... Because it doesn't... I don't know. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me with, uh, with Russ, Brown, and 80 and, and having DeAndre Jordan in terms of, like, I feel like it's gonna make um like LeBron shoot uh LeBron and eighty like drift to the perimeter and shoot uh one too many jump shots for me. But yeah, that's uh it's pretty much yeah, so, on the Lakers, so I'm I'm gonna try to hit all three really quick because I think you brought up a couple of interesting things um that some that we've already touched on, but we can really quick bounce back to. So on Vinay's point about shot quality, you're absolutely right. And I actually mentioned earlier in the show, I expect LeBron to have one of his more efficient seasons of his career, um, just by virtue of that shot quality. Like Raj and I were talking about this with Russ the other day. There are two ways to improve your efficiency, to take better shots and to get better at making those shots. And, you know, LeBron's for better or worse, what he's going to be as a basketball player, but there's going to be a huge improvement in his shot quality this season. And so it will, improve his efficiency. 
Um, moving on to the DeAndre Jordan thing, you know, it's so similar to the JaVale McGee thing from two years ago. Because if you actually yeah. look, if you go into the NBA.com stats uh, website and you look at how the Lakers played with JaVale McGee on the floor, they played great. But it was because he was with the starters and right. with that starting group because he would always start the first quarter and then start the third quarter, especially in the playoffs. He got a few more minutes in the regular season. But when you put a, when you put a player – that has limitations and JaVale obviously has limitations. And so does Deandre Jordan. If you put them next to great basketball players, their job, their role, what you're asking them to do gets very easy. And suddenly their one thing that they're really good at in this case, being gigantic uh, becomes a problem for other teams. And so the, the truth is, is as ugly as the Deandre Jordan minutes may have looked tonight, the Lakers won those minutes. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head, but I know they were plus eight in the first half. Um, so the point is, is like with DeAndre Jordan on the floor, with that group of guys, he can work. It's when you put him out there with, you know, limited lineups where he's going to struggle. And then lastly, with the Carmelo Anthony thing, same exact concept. He just needs to be in a position where he uh, is turned into more of a spot up shooter who occasionally at the end of a shot clock has to make something happen out of nothing or is attacking guard mismatches. You'll notice tonight he had a really nice, easy one leg fadeaway that he took, I think against Davion Mitchell, uh, uh, Davion Mitchell that he made all preseason. He's looked great posting up little guards and he's looked bad posting up wings because at this phase in his career, he just can't get the physical advantage he needs against wings to score, but against guards, he's going to be just fine. So again, for him, it's just about, shrinking him down into a, a role that makes sense with as much talent as he's playing around. But in the preseason, because of injuries, the Lakers were asking him to do a ton. And so it was kind of bound to get ugly from time to time. So I'm not terribly concerned about Melo just yet. I think that's the call that we can make later on. What about you, Raj? Yeah, I think I'll just, you hit on the DJ stuff, but I'll just continue the point on Carmelo. Um, like I think I said on our pod, like if you're expecting Carmelo to come in and be a defender, that's not what he is. But he's also kind of outsized in this role, right? Like I wanted him to be playing like 15 minutes. And we always talk about how basketball is not played on like a spreadsheet, right? You can't just tell Carmelo go sit in the corner for every one of your minutes and sit through corner threes. Like he's Carmelo freaking Anthony. Like he's going to go in the post. And once he gets a switch, he's going to try to bully him to the basket. And he's done a good job. Like you talked about getting, uh, with hitting his fadeaway jumpers and his jab step kind of pull-ups. I think he's hit him at a pretty good percentage. You just want those a little bit tweaking down, but like, I think he's, he's been fine. He's going to be a microwave scorer off the bench. That's his role when the team is healthy. It's just, they're relying on him right now. Like he's the only real power forward on the team besides AD really. So he, he has to play big minutes right now, which is going to hurt the, hurt the defense. So I think a few jab set jumpers here and there, not going to hurt. He's still hitting his shots. He's still been like a, he's been really like pushing these momentum for us. Like he's been pretty building momentum for us when we're down in these games, like his, his threes are, and he puts like the three to the dome and stuff like that. Like it, it kind of helps the team. And I think he's been fine. Like expecting him to run off screens and stuff. Defending is just not, <laughs> it's just not what he's going to do. Yep, I agree. Uh, Thanks, Levon. We appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. I think we have one more. I'll see if, uh, do one more and then close this out. Appreciate everyone that stayed up with us. Uh, see what's connecting here. We'll do another one of these Tuesday after after the first game. Yeah, man, we're gonna do uh, 
I think we got enough. Uh, we went long enough tonight that I'll probably split this into two separate shows, and mm-hmm. then we'll do a post game show on Tuesday after. Uh, hopefully not a Lakers loss, but something that you and I are both predicting will be a Lakers loss. <laughs> a couple of optimists over here. We got a speaker up. doesn't look like it's connecting. So I guess we can kind okay. of close this one out. All right, guys. Hey, thank you all so much for supporting us and, uh, and hanging out for the last couple of hours. We are very excited. Uh, this is going to be the routine every Laker game. Um, at least <laughs> unless Raj and I are out of town, uh, we're planning on uh, doing a post game show just like this. Come armed with questions and complaints and venting and whatever it is you guys want to do. Uh, this is going to air on Dash Radio tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time. And then, uh, like I said, uh, I will post it on our podcast feed as well. But like, uh, we just appreciate you guys' support, and we're looking forward to what's going to be a really fun season. Hopefully, with a happy ending. Yep. Appreciate everyone that stayed up, stayed late, and uh, we'll see. You.